Hello, and welcome to the Bear Podcast. This is your host, Susan Hyatt. This is Season 2, Episode 8. The Bear Podcast is a show where we talk about your body and your life. On this show, we talk about food, fitness, and self-care. We talk about mental and physical health. We talk about confidence, courage, and feminism. With every episode, my goal is to leave you feeling strong and inspired, ready to take charge of your day. Let's get right into today's episode. Our first segment is called Big Questions, and I'm choosing a question from a client or from a woman in my Bear Daily membership community, and I'm answering it right here. Here's today's question. She writes, Hi, Susan. I have a big family event coming up. Lots of people are going to be there, people I haven't seen in a long time. I've gained a lot of weight in recent years, and I definitely look different than I did the last time everyone saw me. I'm having a lot of anxiety about this event. I don't want to deal with people looking at me, judging me, or asking questions, and I feel like I have nothing to wear. I feel totally stressed about the whole thing. I wish I didn't even have to go. I wish I could just stay home. How can I change my attitude about this? Because my attitude is pretty shitty right now. Oof. I know how you're feeling because I've been in this exact position before many times. 11 or 12 years ago, family gatherings were kind of stressful for me. And all the conversations, the relatives, the photos, all the tempting food that I told myself I wasn't allowed to eat. Whoa. It was a lot to handle. You asked, how can I change my attitude about this? Well, one way is to change the dialogue that's happening inside your mind. Literally change the words that you're saying to yourself inside your head. So instead of asking yourself, oh my God, what are people going to think about my body? See if you can change that question to something else. Instead, ask yourself a different question. Ask yourself, What is my intention for this event? How do I want to feel while I'm there? What do I want to contribute when I'm there? What's my plan? You want to walk into that event with a clear plan, with a clear intention for how you're going to spend your time. Maybe your intention is to have one meaningful conversation with your grandma and ask to hear the story of how she met her husband. And once that's done and you've hugged a few relatives, bye-bye, you're out of there. Or maybe your intention is to find your favorite cousin and ask how she's doing and really listen. Or maybe your intention is to give a toast to honor your dad, to put the attention towards him and celebrate this milestone in his life. When you walk into the event with a specific intention in mind, then you feel focused, you feel purposeful, you're more likely to have a meaningful experience instead of feeling overwhelmed and eyeing the snack table when you're not even hungry. You've also mentioned that you're worrying about people judging you for gaining weight, but you know what? Everyone is probably going to be too busy judging themselves. It's sad, but true. Your aunt might be worried about attending the event because she just divorced and she feels some shame about that. Your uncle might feel stressed because he mismanaged his finances and his family is in big trouble. And what if people find out about that? 
Your mom might be freaking out because she thinks she's developing saggy skin under her neck, or maybe she's feeling stressed that she's getting older and thinking about her own mortality, and she doesn't feel like she's discovered her purpose in life yet. My point is, as human beings, we all struggle with self-criticism. We all struggle with shame and guilt, and most people are very, very busy worrying about their own drama. In fact, most people are so busy worrying about themselves that they don't even have time to care about the extra 10 or 50 or 100 pounds that you think you've gained. They're obsessing about themselves, not obsessing about you or your body. This is kind of depressing, but also kind of sweet and hilarious too. We're all dealing with the same emotional crap, the same shame, guilt, and perfectionism. It just expresses itself in different ways for each of us. So try to go into the family event with a sense of humor and an open heart, and who knows? Maybe you'll wind up having some really honest, meaningful conversations with your family about what's really going on in their lives lately. And look, If someone tries to pull the conversation towards your body, you can just say, you know what? Not your business. I'd rather talk about something else and steer the conversation elsewhere. You don't need to apologize about your body. Your body is not an apology. I repeat, your body is not an apology. Keep listening for the interview that comes later in this episode where we're going to talk a lot more about that. So to quickly recap what I said earlier, set an intention and make a plan before you arrive at the event. And I guarantee you'll have a way better time. Our next segment is called Tell Me Everything. And this is where I chat with an amazing woman that I love. And we have a conversation about food, feminism, fitness, sex, or something else that I'm dying to talk about. Today, we're chatting with Sonia Renee Taylor, the author of the book, The Body Is Not An Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love. Here we go. All right, everybody. I'm so delighted to have the author of The Body Is Not An Apology here. Hi, Sonia. Hello. How are you? Fantastic. So you are traveling the world with your book tour right now. I am. I'm in a noisy Starbucks, so I apologize if there's background noise. (laughs) Well, you know what? I think my listeners are going to forgive us for that because you're about to drop some knowledge on us that is going to be life changing. So y'all better get out your notebooks and your pencils and get ready. So um, when I read this book, I love the thing that, I mean, so many things jumped out to me that were super important and highlighted, but the term body terrorism set my body on fire. So can you talk a little bit about what you mean when you talk about body terrorism? Um, Yeah, so I really talk about, I try to frame the the understanding of radical self-love as not about just this individual experience that we're living through, but a relationship between our understanding of our bodies and a larger social, political, and economic structure that reaps a lot of money and a lot of power off of convincing us that somehow we're deficient. And that, that structure and system that holds that in place is body terrorism. So when you think about the historical sort of atrocities that have happened, 
um, as a result of people's bodies and the way that we view people's bodies, internment camps, the Holocaust, chattel slavery. When you think about um, the fact that there is, um, that people of color get less um, appropriate treatment in medical industries are actually, um, studies show that doctors think they feel less pain. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. that, uh, that people in fat bodies are chronically misdiagnosed in medical settings um, because of fat bias that the medical industry has. Mm -hmm. You think about watching the, the fact that we have in the United States a television show that is about um, restricted eating and binge exercise for the entertainment of millions of people, that is body terrorism. That is the, the systematic use of fear mm -hmm. uh, to control the way that people's bodies look for mm -hmm. often um, political and economic purposes. Absolutely. And the, one of the things I love about the way that you write and the way that you talk about these issues is that you talk about it with such strong language. You do not mince words. And I am such a fan of that. Because it is, that is what it is, is body terrorism. And, and it's, you know, it's unbelievable to me to think about um, all of the research that I've done in terms of, like, it's no mistake that the year that women like the right to vote in the U.S. that the Miss USA pageant was established. Not an accident. <laughs> Not an accident. And so Not it's like the the hamster wheel that we get on or the spin cycle that we create or are a part of in terms of um, you talk about the beauty industry and how like, hey, we all love some MAC lipstick, right? I'm very painted. <laughs> <laughs> We all, you know, so no one is saying like that we're bad for having beauty products, but being able to recognize in our, the very structure, the very waters that we swim in, that we are being systematically distracted by and terrorized by the beauty and diet industry to keep us from what? To keep us from political power, to keep us from economic power. Um, it's also not an accident that, you know, about two two. 2,364 um, governors in the United States have been men, as opposed to, um, I think, 42 women. And if you continue to disaggregate that by other identities, other bodies, you know, disabled folks, people of color, um, uh, queer, LGBT folks, that number becomes less and less and less down to zero, right? right. That's not, it's not accidental that... Um, we have a $270 billion beauty industry and 42 female governors in the history of the United States. <laughs> Those aren't unrelated, you know? That, that there is, um, there's a quote by Naomi Klein that uh, dieting um, is not, uh, 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 what is the quote? Um, dieting is not about female beauty. It's about um, female control. Um, like a quietly, what is it? A hungry population is uh, it's a controlled population, is a, right? Is a tractable one, right? Right, right, right. Like if we're hungry and on heels, <laughs> what I'm not doing, right, is campaigning, <laughs> right? You know, or or at least the folks who will do that become very very small. That number of people, 
And not even just that, the number of people who feel valuable enough in the world to contribute in that way. Because that's really what it is, is that the messaging is you are not good enough as you are. And so, of course, you are not good. So, of course, you're not good enough to be governor or to be president. Of course, you're not good enough to run organizations or to change the political landscape. You just put on some makeup and be pretty because that is that's we're just trying to make you at least be good enough to do that. Mm -hmm. That's your place. That's your place. I was just talking to this brilliant client of mine this morning, just talented entrepreneur, has so much to offer the world, and we're working on putting this program together that's honestly going to set the internet on fire. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm recognizing, because of the work that we've done on food and body stuff, that I signed up for Orange Theory Fitness, and I've been over-exercising instead of writing. Oh. And this is, I mean, case in point, this is exactly what happens is that from the time, you know, my daughter came home in the fourth grade and said, hey, I don't know what to say to them. Can you help me, mom? Because everyone, all the girls at the cafeteria table said they were on a diet today. And I know that you said diets are bad. So what do I say to them? <laughs> right. And, and so it's fourth grade. Fourth grade, like pre-puberty, most of them. Uh -huh. And they're worried about, because they see their moms, they see us counting our almonds and doing nonsense instead of leading the world. Yeah, totally. Mm. And it's, you know, and that message, just like you said, starts so young. And from the moment that, and this is the other piece about body terrorism, right, is that we like to think that somehow we have been exempted from the messages of body terrorism. Mm -hmm reality is we haven't. We grew up, we literally have been um, stewing in a pot of sizeism and ageism and homophobia and racism. We've been stewing in that our entire lives. Mm -hmm. So we all have got it. And not from a place like we're bad or wrong because we've got it. We've got it because that's what we've grown up in. We've been an immersion school of it. Mm -hmm. And so, so much of, of radical self-love work it's not about figuring out how I love myself, right? It's about figuring out what is in between me and the inherent sense of love that already is in myself, you know? And that's, that's what your, your daughter is in fourth grade. She's like, wait a minute. I know that this message doesn't make sense because you have told her this message doesn't make sense. But if no one's ever counted those messages as you encountered them, they start to become part of your internal dialogue. Well, I mean, and even though she's had me as a mom, we were talking about, she's 17 and a half now, and I was asking her because I do get quite a few young women who read my blog or listen to my podcast um, will reach out to me, and I'm like, you know, I want to I talk to teens in a way that makes sense for teens and not just try to sound cool, but like actually reach them in a way that makes sense, and she was like, well, then you need to focus on Instagram because... That's actually where girls my age, young women my age, she's like, I noticed that one of the things I teach is to curate your newsfeed with bodies of all types. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, but, you know, even that, like, I notice how many of my friends are they're not recognizing that the photos they're seeing are, there's a professional photographer and they probably- right thousand pics to get that and like she knows it because she sees me on photo shoots and she knows like what I walk around the house looking like right. um, and what a, a professional photo shoot looks like but a lot, a lot of these girls may even intellectually understand it but if all they're seeing when they scroll it's all they see 
is the perfect, you know, booty. <laughs> exactly. Right. Then that's what they're obsessed with. So and if you have so many tools in this book. One of the other things I love about your book is that it, it's not just platitudes. It's full of actual practical things that somebody can do um, to change their, I talk about mind detox, to change mm -hmm. their mindset um, and to be in community. And one of the things that I love, you talk about the tools for radical self-love and I know that you have some favorites. So what, if my if our listeners here are walking away with like okay I really need to pay attention to the structure and what the media is feeding me what's happening in government what can I do for myself within my own life yeah um, so I say I think I say pretty clearly in the book that like you can do everything in the book and if you don't do the last two tools you're gonna struggle <laughs> um, and so they're my favorite because they're they, I really view them as the most important in this radical self-love work and number nine is be in community then we are taught um, that our, our that inner chatter that negative self-talk what I call the outside voice inside of us um, is our own voice right like that that it's you know, that we're coming up with all this self-deprecating language over ourselves and that the problem is just that we hate ourselves. Um, and what I offer is that that's not actually what's happening. What's happening is that your inner dialogue is a function of all the messages you've been being fed over the years about how you're not worthy. And that those messages um, do really well because they have a host. They're loud. They get to echo off the walls of your internal you know, of your own thoughts and psyche. Mm -hmm. What happens when you're in community is that the power and the literal sound of those voices start to dissipate. It's not as loud because it's not contained. Um, and because you start to realize that you're not the only one, because that's also what that voice tells us, is I'm the only one, I'm the, I'm the only awful this, that, or the other. And that is part of the system that would like you to continue to feel small and unworthy. In community, we can we begin to dismantle that fiction that we're not good enough and that we're alone in the journey. We need other people. Um, and so be in find a community that speaks to you. Find, the, like, just like you were saying about curating your timeline, and find folks that are your tribe uh, in this work because they will help fill the well when it gets low. Um, and then the most important tool to me of all ten is um, give yourself some grace. Um, and it's number ten. The one of the things we talk about a lot and and on the book tour and in the book um, is this idea of meta shame, shame for having shame. Right. A lot of people start this journey and then they're like, oh, but I had a bad day where I just didn't feel good about myself. And look, I'm doing radical self love wrong, which is just the silliest notion, right? And so the way to get out of that cycle is to recognize that you are combating decades of an entire system that is deeply invested in you feeling like crap about yourself. And so of course there are gonna be days where it's really hard to beat the entire system inside of you. And, and I tell folks every day, I said I run an entire organization and wrote a whole book about radical self-love and there are days that I don't feel like I love myself. Mm -hmm. And the assignment on that day is to love the Sonia that doesn't love herself until Sonia loves herself again. Oh. Every single time. 
That brought tears to my eyes because that so many of my clients, you know, I teach them thought work and I teach them all these tools and then they're like, I'm doing it wrong because I feel like crap. It's like, actually, you're not doing it wrong. It's just part of the process. It's part of the process. And I'm like, I love you, Sonia, who doesn't like her jiggly thighs today. I love you, Sonia, who feels scared and alone. I love you. And the more love I pour into that Sonia, the more I come back to the Sonia who's just fine. And we're finishing up with the segment that I call Bear Victories. This is where I share some posts, emails, and texts from women in my community to say congratulations and yay, here's the first Bear Victory. Patty writes, as I am fiercely dating myself this week, I decided to attend a girl's night out for moms of kids with type 1 diabetes. I have been on the fence about this and decided to get out of my comfort zone and check it out. It was a game changer kind of night. Talk about nurturing and supportive. Oh my gosh. I do, and I'm certain many others do as well, struggle with asking for support and help. I decided that it was time to work on my need for connection and honor it. It was amazing to be with a room full of other moms who get it, who know the struggle, the hard times, the fears, and to come together and hear them say, I get you and I got you. It was incredible to own and admit to myself that I don't need to do this alone. Super empowering. It felt so good. So good to own my truth, ask for support, and allow myself to be vulnerable. It was completely freeing and actually pleasurable. There is absolutely pleasure in social connection. Community for me is key in my pleasure quest. Just like how there is so much pleasure in being part of the bear community. Love it and all of you. Congratulations, Patty. That's amazing. That's all for this episode. If you want even more inspiration and motivation, you can visit my website, shyatt.com. You'll find hundreds of hours of podcasts, videos, webinar recordings, all kinds of stuff, all free, all for you. And I have a small request for you. Sometime this week, please take 10 seconds and text a friend to tell them about the show or leave a positive review about the show on iTunes. That's the best way for new listeners to discover this show. Thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.